This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. We've rounded the corner. It is past Thanksgiving, and we are headed to Christmas. That's right. It's the Advent season. It's the time when we celebrate the coming of Jesus. And today we're looking at at Paul. We're looking at the Apostle Paul, an unlikely follower of Jesus. You may feel like you're an unlikely follower of Jesus. Well, Paul got an invitation to see. He got an invitation to see what God was doing. See, prior to this, Uh, Paul was in denial about Jesus being the Messiah. He was in denial about his need for a Savior. He thought that he could save himself, and you may have been that kind of person until Jesus showed up. Maybe you know someone right now who needs to see God. Let's pray that God will open their eyes this Christmas season. Let's pray that there'll be some people that will step into their relationship with Jesus. Let's pray as you and I unpack the the story of Paul, that we'll find ways to invite people to see Jesus this Christmas. Lord, I pray right now that we would. We would see people come to know you this Christmas. I pray that people would join us in going to church, that people would join us in listening to your next step, that people would begin to imagine what life could be with Jesus at the center, in the manger, in their heart this Christmas. In Jesus' name, I'm Pastor Doyle from The Church Next Door. Have a great day. Keep listening. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about Paul and the invitation to see. Paul was invited by God to see what he was doing. And Paul's life was so transformed by it. But what transformed Paul was that he was willing to say yes to God when God said, Paul, I'm going to switch it on you, and I want you to go to the people I want you to go to. Not just bring the people along with you that you like and the people that you want. Because see, God sent Paul, this, this, this Jewish boy, he sent them to the Gentiles. God said, I need you to give the message. I need you to give the invitation of Jesus to people that are far from God in far-flung places. And Paul said, God, that's what I want. I want to be ringside for what you're doing. If you would, get out your notes, open up the app, follow along. You can, you can take notes there. All right, courtside seat. This is what I wrote in your notes. I want you to see it. I want you to think about it. It says, Paul's perspective on Jesus and the church are unique as one who originally hated and opposed the message of Jesus. But God interrupted his life plans and gave him a ringside seat. Paul accepted God's invitation to serve him and turned the world upside down. That's what Acts 17.6 says about Paul. You're turning the world upside down. So let me give you the backstory on Paul. Paul's a really interesting uh, figure because the, the Bible tells us that he was a Roman citizen in Acts 16. He was a Jew from the city of Tarsus in Cilicia. That's in Acts 21. And finally it says... He was a former student 
of the law with Gamaliel. Now, the reason those three facts are really important is that most of the time you and I just read through the Bible and we read them and we're like, yada, 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 okay? We don't understand the the depth and the importance of that. When it says that Paul was a Roman citizen, it means that Paul was part of a wealthy family. This is because in the ancient Roman world, in order to be a Roman citizen, you had to have the means, financial means, to be a part of that. It was about a birthright, where you were born, but it also meant that you would swear allegiance to Caesar. And Caesar was a god. And if you're Jewish, you're not allowed to have any other gods besides God. And so the only way you can get around that is if you knew somebody who was willing. There was, a, there was a brief clause that said, well, Jews can be Roman citizens if they'll swear allegiance to Caesar, even though they worship Yahweh. But you had to get someone who was willing to accept your testimony on that, and it generally required a lot of money. And so what it means about Paul is that, that Paul was this, this Jewish boy who had a father who had wealth enough and had relationship enough to get him Jewish as a Jewish person, Roman citizenship. And once you had that citizenship, it was like gold because it protected you wherever you went because nobody wanted to mess with the Roman legions. And so if you walked into a city, you were protected by your birthright as a Roman citizen. And not many Jews had that. They didn't have the resources, they didn't have the means to make that happen. There were many people that were born in a Roman city but didn't have the right, didn't have the ability to get that, that squared off on their life. But Paul had this. And because he was born in Tarsus, he, he knew about the urban world. He knew about the Roman culture. He knew about their cities and he knew how they were arranged and he knew something about it because the Romans had a pattern to the way they built cities. When you walked into a Roman city, you automatically knew how to get, get, away, get around. They had, a, they had a, a particular system with every city, city and Paul knew that. But his father loved God and he wanted Paul. His name as a boy was Saul. When he met Jesus, he became Paul. His father invested the money to have him taken to Jerusalem because he wanted his son to really love God and see the heart of God's people. And he goes there to study under Gamaliel. Now, we talked a couple weeks ago when we talked about Luke, we talked about what it meant to have a rabbi and that, that it was a real privilege to get a rabbi, but, but Gamaliel was just no rabbi. Paul's daddy paid for him to have the best rabbi alive at that day. How do we know that? Because Gamaliel was the grandson of Hillel. If you are Jewish and you grew up in a Jewish home to this day, you hear the stories of Hillel and Shammai. Hillel and Shammai were the two most famous rabbis of the first century. And Paul studied with the grandson of one of those guys. That means that the Gamaliel sat at Passover with Grandpa Hillel. And as a student of Gamaliel, Paul had Passover with Gamaliel, while the other disciples were having it with Jesus, just around the corner in Jerusalem. Because of that relationship, Paul had the credentials. He had 
He had the, the Pharisees' approval and actually urging to stamp out this new movement among the Jews of following a man named Jesus of Nazareth. And he loved God so much, and he loved these, 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 these men and women that were teaching him about God in Jerusalem. He, he wanted to honor them, and he wanted to do what was best, and he thought it was best to stop the way of these Jesus followers. And so he was. He was ahead of the people that were stamping out this new movement because they were afraid it would destroy Judaism. There was a young disciple of Jesus named Stephen, and Paul was part of the insurrection to kill this young man. He admits later that he held all their coats so their arms would be free to throw stones and murder this boy who proclaimed Jesus was the Messiah. What really upset them was that Stephen said that God is so great, so glorious, so wonderful that he does not want to worship in a building. He wants to worship through and in humanity who he built that your body is the temple that God wants to worship through. And they stoned him for saying it. And Paul held their coats. What you and I have to understand about Paul is this. He was trying to love God with all his heart, with all his mind and all his strength. But he missed God in the midst of that. And it's a telling story for you and I because we can really try it. We want to worship God, but we still miss God. I mean, there's no indication that Paul ever got to set on a hillside in Galilee and hear Jesus teach. He never sat at Jesus' feet like Mary at Bethany because in his world, that would be unthinkable. Can I tell you, some of us, there was a time in our life it was unthinkable that we would come to church Sunday morning is too primo a time for me to waste in church. And look at us now. Paul opposed Jesus because he thought he was doing the right thing to oppose Jesus. Paul was on a mission with papers from the Pharisees of Jerusalem to destroy the Jesus followers in Damascus. And while on his way there, God interrupted him and gave him an invitation to follow Jesus too. He's totally transformed by that experience. God stopped him. God stopped him in his opposition. God stopped him in his anger and his cynicism and forgave him and gave him a new life. In Acts chapter 9, it tells the story of how a bright light showed up and God said, Saul, Saul, why, why, why do you persecute me? He says, who is this? It's Jesus, the one you're persecuting. He says, I need you to go to Damascus. Stay with a man. And I'll show you what to do. And Paul accepts that invitation. Scripture says that he was... He was blinded by that experience and they had to lead him by the hand to Damascus. But for the rest of Paul's life, after that experience, 
He told everyone that if you will accept Jesus, you will be a citizen of heaven. See, Paul understood now that the most important citizenship you could have was not to be a part of the Jewish community, not to be a part of Rome, but to be a citizen of heaven as a follower of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Look what it says in your notes. It's in Acts 9. It says that Paul was so changed he had to share that Jesus is Messiah. Hold it. I'm sorry. To see. Forgive me. It says in Acts 9, 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. What Ananias does is remarkable. Ananias is just a Jesus follower in Damascus. And, and God speaks to him in a vision. He says, hey, Ananias, I need you to go to Straight Street and pray for this guy. And, and think about that. Can you imagine if God asked you to go pray for somebody? If God said, hey, I need you to go I need you to go uh, knock on your neighbor's door and pray for them. And you say something like, you got to be kidding. That's the neighbor that hates me. He complains about my dog. And every time I'm out, he has some nasty remark to say. Well, for Ananias, Saul was the one. Paul was the one that was trying to destroy the Jesus followers. And, and Ananias is like, God, you got to be crazy. God says, no, I'm working on him. I've given him an invitation, and you are the end of that invitation. And Paul, on the other side of it, he's, 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 at, he's at Judah's house, and God speaks to him. The, the Bible tells us that for three days he wouldn't need anything. He was fasting. He was praying, and he was seeking God. He could not see. And he's like, God, I don't understand. This is too crazy. And God says, I'm going to send someone to you by the name of Ananias, and he's going to pray for you, and he's going to open your eyes. And when I read that story, I see something that's really remarkable. And it's this idea that you and I were called into community, that what God wants to do in our lives, he doesn't want to do with us singly. He wants to do it as a part of God's community. See, God could have, God could have spoken to Paul directly. We know that because he already did that. He could have transformed his life. And this is what you and I do. We sit, we sit and we say to God, well, God, you know, you can do it. I don't need to go to church. I don't need anybody else. But God says, no, I need you to see that you do need others. See, this is why Jesus came in the flesh. God has always used the community human element to heal us. The world is desperate for hope in the midst of community. It is not enough for you to sit at home alone and know the peace of God. It needs to permeate beyond you and to other people. And when Paul said, okay, I'll, I'll go get to know these Jesus followers, he was submitting to becoming a part of community. And when Ananias was going to, see, sometimes we need, just need to say yes to God. We have to say yes to rubbing elbows with other people. And what it does, when you and I say yes to God, it does open our eyes. And sometimes people can see things that we can't see and they help us see. That's what community is about. It says that, that Paul was so transformed by this experience that, that, that he heals him. Immediately he says, what else do I need to do? They say, well, you need to be baptized in water. They take him and they dunk him in water. 
And he, he's, he comes out and he's, he's like, oh man, this is awesome. Then they lay hands and they pray over him and he receives the Holy Spirit. What they're talking about in Acts 2 in terms of Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now he's empowered to be a witness and he can do, he's so charged. He's got to share with everybody about Jesus. Look what it says in, 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 in Acts 9, 19, just a few verses follow. It says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. These guys were like confused about the transformation in Paul's life. Let me ask you a question. How has your life changed since coming to know Jesus? See, Paul was an angry man. Paul was one who who, who made lists of right and wrong, and he tried to live up to some list, some standard. Yes, he took most of it from God, but much of it he took from man's understanding, and he just realized that was not working. What I love about the story of Paul is that he realized that the gospel of Jesus was not just to save you. See, the gospel of Jesus was not given. Jesus did not rise from the dead just to give you eternal life in heaven. Paul understood that, that Jesus' message was to transform you. Where there was hatred, Paul received forgiveness and new life. He went from being a murderer to a teacher of the love and the way of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus did not go to the cross and, and, and to the grave and beyond just to give you eternal life. Is that part of it? Yes. But Jesus went to the grave and to the cross so that you and I could be transformed, so that God could heal that brokenness within us, so that God can restore us and give it. Listen, this is what I know about Jesus. Jesus cures addiction. Jesus heals the brokenness of your soul. Jesus can take where you have been abused, forsaken, and rejected, and he gives you acceptance and love and new life. See, what Paul preached wherever he went was this. Jesus is the way, and Jesus will give you a new life. He will help you to be self-controlled, full of the Holy Spirit, and, and alert for life. How are you different today because of Jesus? Because if you know that, then you can tell other people. There are people in the world around you who need to hear your story. They need to hear about how God healed your marriage, how God gave you new life, how God rescued you, how God has restored you. Some of you have been healed of cancer. Some of you have been healed of a brokenness that you tried to, to answer with alcohol that never would work. Jesus is the only God that can heal the brokenness in our lives. And that's what Paul did wherever he went. That's what he shared with all people. 
I want to, I want to give you Paul's kind of methodology wherever he went. Paul was an inviter. See, Paul saw that God invited him to have a ringside seat. And so wherever he went, he invited other people to have a ringside seat. And what he wanted to leave behind was this idea, whoever follows the way, whoever follows Jesus, that you would be an inviter too. You've got to share this. And Paul's methodology was to share publicly and house to house. What does that mean? When Paul entered one of these Roman cities, and what's amazing about Paul, God had been working in his life and preparing him just to be this evangelist, this church planter, wherever he went, because he knew the Roman city, he knew the Roman world, but he also knew the Old Testament, and he knew Jesus and the work of Jesus, and he could combine all of this. He could walk into a city, he could go to a synagogue, he could go to a public square, he could go to a city park. This is his pattern, and he could preach about Jesus publicly. And then he also met with them house to house in their communities, in their neighborhoods and shared Jesus there. Look what it says in Acts 20, 20. It's one of my favorite scriptures. You know that I, Paul, have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Folks, this is why we tell you here, we want you to be prepared when you go into Walmart to be able to talk about Jesus, be praying as you're walking through, because who knows? In the midst of public, you might need to pray for somebody. God might lead you and say, this, this, this dad needs encouragement. This mom needs encouragement. This person needs to hear a voice from you. Speaking of God's love, Paul did that wherever he went. Some of you know our mission statement here at the church next door is moving people closer to God. And that, at the core of that, we want to do it publicly and house to house. This week, Jesus, Jennifer had to go and get a new phone. Hers was not working properly, and so everyone here knows that pain. I gotta get a new phone pain. And so she goes into the phone store and she says, my phone is dying, it's not working, I gotta get a new phone. And, and she says, I need, I need it to be able to take really good pictures, and I need it to be able to take good video, I need a good phone, you know? And he says, well, why, why do you need that? She says, well, I, in a few weeks, I'm going to Africa. He said, you're going to Africa. Why are you going to Africa? He said, she, she says, well, our church has built an orphanage in Africa. And I'm going to go uh, see the orphanage and check on it. She said, they're going to they're start, to, the kids are moving in and, and all this stuff is happening at the orphanage. And I just want to check on that. And she said, this young man at the phone store begins to tear up. He said, oh man, I would love to do something meaningful like that. I would love to be a part of something meaningful like that. What a cool job. Jesus, well, come be a part of the church next door and you can do something meaningful like that. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. If you'll pray with me right now, I believe that God's going to move, that God's going to change some lives, that God is going to transform the world in which we live in. And so I invite you right now, let's just... Let's do this together. Let's not waste any more time. Let's just bow our heads and go before God and enter into heaven. Wouldn't it be good if we knew all our doctors loved God and served God? So let's take a moment and pray for our physicians, nurses, and medical staff. 
God, when we read your word, we, we know that you are the God of healing. It says that you are the Lord, our doctor in Exodus. And, and we know that, that you heal, but we also know when we read scripture that there were times when you healed people through medicine. You, you told Isaiah to go to the king and, and told him he would get 15 more years of his life and, and for him to put a, a, a poultice on that. Lord, that he was to prepare this salve and put it on it and he would live. So God, that's just one example of you giving us healing. You told us to anoint people with oil and they would be healed. Well, today we want to pray for the the men and women that are doctors and nurses and EMTs, people that are working in the medical field, physical therapy, chiropractic. Lord, there's lots of people that work every day and their goal is to help people be healed. So we believe that you are for healing. You don't want us to to suffer always. You want us to have life. And so I'm praying today for the men and women that are serving in our world to bring healing. Lord, we have seen a pandemic go around the world in our generation and and they needed your wisdom. And, and yes, they struggled during that time. We are not going to poke a finger or point a finger. But Lord, we're praying that you would cause them to learn from that experience and they would be even better healers that relied on you for the miracles in our world. And they need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I know I know that that prayer was good and that you were part of that. But I want to take you to the next step because that's what we're all about here, right? So would you go to yournextstepnow.com? That's our website. And give us your email address. And we're going to give you our ebook. It's a prayer guide. This month, it's free. Know that it's free. It's not going to cost you. You just have to give me your email address, and then you and I can become prayer partners for the ministry. I need you to pray with me, agree with me. Our world needs revival. We need you to become a prayer partner. This community needs you. So go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your free prayer guide ebook today. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY. 1-833-38-STORY. 
or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.